The purpose of this program is not to prescribe a treatment to individuals. Listeners should consult their health care practitioner before attempting any treatment. Good morning and welcome to Health Watch. I'm Dr. David Naiman, your host. Today's guest, Dr. Donnie Wilson, is a naturopathic doctor, certified professional midwife, and certified nutrition specialist. She was executive director and president of the New York Association of Naturopathic Doctors for 10 years and received their award for Naturopathic Doctor of the Year. And she's here today on Health Watch to talk about her new book, The Stress Remedy, a science-based approach to reduce the effects of stress, reclaim energy, mood, sleep, and focus. Welcome to Health Watch, Dr. Donnie Wilson. Thank you. So let's talk about how you first got interested in stress. Uh, From the beginning of your book, you talk about uh, your experience learning how to deliver babies and how too much and how too little stress can both be problems. Yes, and and yeah, I always do find that that really was one of my entry points into researching stress. It's such a perfect example, you know, of a stress that, of course, we are going to expose ourselves to, women anyway, and at some point in their life. And we can learn from that in terms of how our bodies are built to be under stress in a in an optimal way, but that if there's too much or too little then things don't go as efficiently as possible. So could you extrapolate a little bit and, and tell us what you mean? I, I'm guessing many of our listeners don't know that too little stress can actually be a problem as well. So what did you learn in, in your experience with childbirth? You know, uh, yeah, it's interesting, right, that um, you know what they found in the research is that um, both cortisol levels and adrenaline are involved in a health, healthy labor process. And if there is too little cortisol and adrenaline in a woman's body, then there wasn't enough of the hormone messages that help labor to proceed. And so when I say too little stress, that's what I mean is just that the stress hormones, if they're too low, then it's not going to give the signals that the body needs. Whereas if there's too much stress, and and I think this is what we see way, you know, very often um, is, you know, say fear of labor or sometimes interventions with labor. And um, when that happens, when there's too much stress around labor, that also is what um, prevents the process from moving forward and so and can lead to more and more um, complications and interventions during labor. So, um, you know, that's where I would say you know, going more towards, for example, using a doula. My training, um, I'm trained as a naturopathic doctor, as you mentioned, also as a doula and a midwife. And currently I practice um, as mostly a naturopathic doctor, but I do support women with with getting pregnant and during pregnancy. And, and you know, I always encourage um, to have a doula during labor because, there's a lot of research that shows that doulas really help support a woman in labor and optimize the stress level so that she has the environment she needs to have, um, you know, the the safest and, um, you know, most effective labor as possible. So in the stress remedy, you take these lessons that you learned learning about childbirth and apply them to everyday stress for, for everybody. Uh, and, and you say in, in your book that under optimal conditions – 
our body welcomes stress, that in fact our body is built for it. So tell us, tell us how you gleaned information from the childbirth world and applied it to the everyday world for people and, and also what this, what this phrase means for you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I think really it's because so much of the time we, we tend to get the perception that the best stress remedy is to eliminate stress. And I think we all in some way know, hey, that's, that's not going to be possible. I mean, certainly there are some stresses that we can minimize and, and um, decrease, but inevitably as humans we're going to be exposed to some degree of stress. And so then it becomes a matter of how to make choices that are going to make it so that the stresses we are exposed to are either stresses we choose because we because they bring us joy or happiness or for some other choice or reason in our life, or, or there, you know, sometimes there's just stresses that are unavoidable. But if there are stresses that we can avoid and choose, we might as well take that chance to, to make those choices to minimize the stress because what research shows us, just like, say, with labor, where the research shows that when there's too much stress, it's going to slow down the labor process, what we know from stress, in the human body and and illness is that when we're exposed to too much stress over time, then it's going to increase our likelihood for health issues. And these health issues can vary from person to person. It's it's quite unique. So the way I think of it is if if your, say, your genetics and your family history make you more likely to get diabetes or an autoimmune condition or allergies, for example, then when your body is under stress, too much stress at any one time, then you're going to be more likely for those health issues to develop. And so it does also you know, encourage you when you do notice things coming up for yourself. Like if you're noticing, oh, I've been getting stomach aches or headaches or I'm not sleeping well, a chance to just look back at your past month or six months and say, hey, have I been under some new stress that I can do something about? So that I can help my body recover and get back on track. And, and so I would guess that when people go to their conventional doctor to address stress, that there there isn't a test that's being given to assess it for them. What what would you suggest that people do other than looking back at their their previous month or six weeks mm-hmm. um, to assess how stress could be affecting their their physiology and and their their body? Um. You know, the test that I find is really the most helpful is to, one, to look at salivary cortisol levels. Um, The cortisol is our main stress hormone, and cortisol should be higher in the morning and gradually decreasing through the day. Um, When we're under an acute stress, like say there's, you know, a deadline today, then the cortisol levels can increase briefly, but then should come back to this healthy level. When we're under, you know, oh, you know, everyday stress, over and over stress, this cortisol level can be thrown off either too high or too low. And so by measuring the cortisol, not just at one time of day, we don't want um, just one cortisol level, which, you know, say if you do a blood test, you're just going to get the cortisol at the time that the blood is drawn. But if we can do a salivary cortisol, then we can do collections at different times of day. So we'll do a a morning saliva, midday, evening, bedtime. And this way we can see more the cortisol curve throughout the day 
and it's going to be a lot more uh, efficient way to see if stress has been affecting your body and throwing your cortisol either too high or too low. Along with that, I also encourage to test adrenaline levels because um, now research has shown that we can effectively measure adrenaline levels in the urine and adrenaline being another stress hormone in our body, now you've got two pieces of information to help you understand how is your body being affected by stress. So in the stress remedy, you talk about uh, three networks in the body that can go haywire if if we don't manage our stress well over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And, and the first one you mentioned is what you call adrenal distress. And and I would love for you to share with our listeners what, what you mean by adrenal distress and, and what some of the common symptoms of it would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, the adrenal glands are our main stress responders. That's the adrenal glands make cortisol and they make adrenaline. And so when there's, again, recurrent stress, and, and I'm happy to talk more about what are some of the common stresses out there because there's some that we you know, think of usually like a, you know, a crisis or a trauma or something really severe, but there can also be more minor stresses that are enough to throw off and challenge the adrenal glands. Um, and so, and the adrenal glands, by the way, are above the kidneys in the body and they do a lot of different things, but um, one thing they do is, is make these stress hormones, cortisol and adrenaline. And so um, adrenal distress um, is when the adrenals have been affected by stress. And that there are definitely theories, I mean, dating back and research dating back to even the 1950s and before, where they, they're researching what happens when a human body is under stress. And, and there's, a, um, there's something called stage theory where we look at how, to some degree, when a person's been stressed, the first thing that can happen is the cortisol and adrenaline can be too high, both too high. And, you know, we can probably imagine what that's like, just being more stimulated, more stressed, anxious, hard to sleep. Um, Then over time, if this stress continues, then sometimes one or the other, cortisol or adrenaline, can start to drop, and maybe one of them still stays too high. And in stage three, they would both be too low. Both the cortisol and adrenaline become too low. But you know, you, what I found in the research in my practice is that you really can't go by symptoms to determine what stage you're in. Best to do these tests we're talking about to understand how your adrenal glands have become distressed. Is it that the cortisol is too high or too low? And there's actually many different possibilities of how that can look. And again, it's, it's quite genetically determined. It's also determined by your stress exposure in the womb as well as during early childhood. Um, the, all of that comes to the, together and determines your unique uh, stress pattern um, and or what would be described as adrenal distress. Are there some classical symptoms for mm-hmm. adrenal distress, some mm-hmm. sort of hallmark ones that you would maybe not use for diagnosis but would mm-hmm. be common among the, that population? Mm-hmm. Well, especially when it gets to be adrenal fatigue, or what we often hear about as adrenal fatigue, this would be when the cortisol is low and the adrenaline is low, a very common symptom would be fatigue. And and so if you're feeling more tired than you used to be or think you should be, I mean, certainly we have to take into account the other common causes of fatigue like anemia and low thyroid function. But I would say also on that list to consider should be adrenal distress. Um, 
other common symptoms like when adrenaline is too high, a person is more likely to feel anxious because it's going to be very stimulating. Um, and so I'll say to patients, that if it feels like your stress response is stuck on and it just hasn't turned off and you're just now all the time feeling stressed, even if there's not a reason to be stressed, then you can start to know, oh boy, my adrenal glands are off track here. We need some help to turn off the stress response and help get things back on balance. In case you just tuned in, we're talking today to Dr. Donnie Wilson about her book, The Stress Remedy, a science-based approach to reduce the effects of stress, reclaim energy, mood, sleep, and focus. Dr. Wilson, uh, could you give us a snapshot of what some of the treatment options would be for someone with adrenal fatigue or adrenal distress? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, we can definitely start with some of the basic things, right? And as naturopathic doctors, we're always thinking of things you can do even just just from a lifestyle perspective. And there is amazing amount of research to show that uh, things like meditation and yoga and even just exercise in general, taking a walk, taking the dog for a walk, gardening, um, you know, even just five minutes to sit down and have a cup of tea has been shown to help bring the cortisol levels back to where you want them to be. So these are things you, if you integrate into your daily life, you're more likely to have your body constantly recovering from stress um, day in and day out. Um, we can also, if we find, say, that we do these tests and we see that the cortisol levels are too high, in addition to these lifestyle activities, then um, there are several herbs and nutrients we can choose from. Uh, research shows that for example, the herb ashwagandha has been shown to help lower cortisol levels when it's too high, um, as does an herb called magnolia um, and another herb called banaba leaf and a nutrient called phosphatidylserine. And you, you, I would say want to work with a naturopathic doctor or practitioner to help you with this. First of all, they can do the testing, and then they can help you to know what's appropriate uh, product for you and the timing as well. You're going to want to take these nutrients and herbs at the time of day when the cortisol is too high. So, for example, if your cortisol is only high, too high in the evening, then you would take these herbs at that time. It's possible that your cortisol may be low in the morning, so you have to take different herbs at the time that your cortisol is too low than you would when your cortisol is too high. Um, herbs that help when cortisol is too low would be rhodiola, um, eleutherococcus, some of the herbs that maybe you've heard of in the ginseng family, like um, Siberian ginseng, um, and uh, licorice can be used as well as an herb to help increase cortisol levels. So we, and, and a lot of nutrients, by the way, B vitamins, vitamin C. So if you're just starting and you're, you're thinking, maybe I just wanna help my adrenal glands out a little bit before I have a lot of information, even just starting with a good multivitamin, you're going to start to give the B vitamins and vitamin C that your adrenal glands need to help you recover from stress. And if you find that that's not enough, then you want to get this testing done and have, a, have someone help you get to some products that are going to be way more specific for your, your case. Well, well, another one of the areas that poorly managed long-term stress causes in, um, problems is with what you call impaired carbohydrate metabolism. Mm -hmm. What is impaired carbohydrate metabolism and, and how would somebody know if they, if they have that and it's stress-related? Mm -hmm. um, 
when I refer to impaired carbohydrate metabolism, I'm referring to, well, I suppose at the extreme end of the spectrum would be diabetes, but I also like to raise awareness that blood sugar levels could be an issue even before they're abnormal on your blood work. So I'm thinking of, you know, if, if you find even that you, say if you have a, a meal or, a, or something to eat that's high carbohydrate or sugar and you find that you're not feeling well afterwards, either too tired or anxious or um, something else, or if you find that your blood sugar drops too low during the day, like especially if you, you know, go too many hours without eating and you find, oh, my gosh, and I've got a headache and I'm nauseous, you can tell that your blood sugar is just a little bit off balance. And so um, simple things, again, here that you can do is just making sure you feed yourself every few hours and make sure there's some protein in there with the carbohydrates and a little healthy fat as well to help keep your blood sugar levels more on track instead of allowing them to go too high or too low at any point in the day. What happens when we're stressed is that, and our cortisol, especially when our cortisol levels increase, is it makes it so our blood sugar levels are more likely to be elevated. So there's a direct connection between stress and your blood sugar. And um, so again, it's we want to look at the ripple effect, this, you know, the cascade where there's stress, but this is how it starts to cause other health issues in the body because it's it's not just this moment of, of responding to the stress, but now your blood sugar levels are going to be a little bit more off track. They're going to be a little bit higher, which means you're a little more likely to have them fall lower later, and you're going to be more likely to crave sugar. So you're, you want to be, the more you can be uh, aware of this and keep ahead of it, the better, especially when you're under stress. So if you know, oh, my gosh, I've got this big project or this big event coming up, that's the time to even more Take care of yourself. Make sure you have snacks available and you feed yourself so that your body can be more optimally functioning even when you are stressed. Do we understand why uh, craving sugar is a, one of the possible symptoms of adrenal fatigue? Why when, when we're overstressed to the point of a low adrenal function that we would grab sugar before we would grab protein or fat? It is a common symptom, another one, and I think it ties into what I was just describing where, you know, the cortisol levels and the stress, it, it throws off the insulin function. And so now the, the you know, your, your insulin is the hormone that helps move blood sugar from your blood into your cells. And it's only when the sugar gets into your cells that it's actually burned for energy. And so what can happen is when you have long periods of stress and decreased ability for this insulin to move the sugar into your cells, it actually creates more cravings for the sugar because your body, the, the sugar never got to your cells and your body still thinks it needs sugar. Um, so it becomes a vicious cycle. You end up craving sugar, eating more sugar, but that sugar never actually gets to where it's trying to go. And it, it, it ends up being put into fat storage. So along with that comes weight gain often. And also potentially changes in cholesterol and triglycerides. Exactly, because now we know that cholesterol and triglycerides comes from carbohydrates and sugar that weren't able to be burned for energy. So when you're, if you're consuming meals that are, have too much carbohydrate, then your body can use at that point in time. It's either going to be stored in fat tissue or cholesterol, triglycerides, or fat in the liver. So way to get ahead of this, again, is to just 
try to plan ahead and, and feed yourself small meals more frequently and with less carbohydrate and, and, and with some protein and fat. Dr. Wilson, you, you also talk about uh, the relationship between stress and leaky gut syndrome. W- tell, tell our listeners what leaky gut syndrome is and, mm-hmm. and how poor stress management can, can lead to it. Mm-hmm. Leaky gut is a, a situation where the, the lining of the intestines, right? So if you think of the intestines, the, the wall of the intestines becomes not as healthy as it should be, in fact, what happens is the cells can be damaged themselves, but also the space between the cells. I think of it like a tile floor. You know, if the tile floor has the grout breaking up and the tiles breaking up, now food that, you know, see our food should get digested and never go through the intestinal lining, in, you know, in, through the wall. It should only just be the nutrients that go through the wall. So if the intestinal lining is leaky and allowing food to get through, then the immune system starts responding to the food. The immune system really shouldn't, shouldn't be reacting to foods. Um, it happens when it's leaky and the food gets to where it shouldn't be. The immune system is trying to protect us from food. It thinks this is a virus or something foreign. And once you have the immune system you know, fighting off or creating an immune response to the food, now there's inflammation going on. And the inflammation or what we call cytokines, these are, cyan- these are uh, messengers uh, from the immune system, they can affect the digestion, but not everybody. It doesn't necessarily cause issues in the digestion. You would think when you hear something called leaky gut, you would think you would have digestive symptoms. Some people do get reflux or bloating or digestive issues, but not always because this inflammation can travel anywhere in the body. So leaky gut is kind of sneaky, and actually the research is connecting uh, leaky gut to back to this imbalanced carbohydrate metabolism. Leaky gut makes it more likely that you're going to develop diabetes. It's going to make it more likely you're going to develop autoimmunity. And it's also going to be a stress on the adrenal glands, so it circles back. And what we know that leaky gut is caused by, we know it's caused by number one stress. So here we are, when we're under stress, we're more likely to have the high blood sugar, but we're also more likely to have this leaky gut. And both of them perpetuate this cycle of stress on the body. And then are there specific nutrients that target digestion? You you mentioned some good herbs and Mm -hmm. nutrients for the adrenal glands. Mm -hmm. What would be some of the ones you might consider for somebody dealing with hyperpermeability of the intestinal lining? Uh, Well, a favorite is a nutrient called glutamine, which is actually an amino acid, which is from, you know, the building blocks of protein. And glutamine is the most important nutrient for these intestinal cells to be healthy. So what we find is when you take glutamine, you can actually help your intestinal lining recover. Our intestinal lining is rebuilding itself constantly. In fact, the cells are replaced every 72 hours. So if you can help manage the stress and decrease the cause of the leaky gut, then your body can actually heal the leaky gut and, and get your intestinal lining back on uh, back where you want it to be. So glutamine helps with that, as does healthy bacteria. This is the other thing is another cause of leaky gut is when the healthy bacteria or the microbiome is disrupted. And if the healthy bacteria are thrown off, and then again, you have more likelihood of the leaky gut developing. But if you take probiotics, 
you're going to be able to help make sure those healthy bacteria are in balance and, and preventing leaky gut. Another way to help with leaky gut is with helping to make sure your food gets digested well. So a lot of times we'll use uh, pancreatic digestive enzyme to help digest the food. This way it's not going to be triggering the uh, leaky gut. But of course we can't go much further talking about leaky gut without mentioning gluten because gluten, which is the protein found in wheat, rye, and barley, and spelt, um, is known also to cause leaky gut. So if you, you know, if you find that, you know, you're, you're stressed and you're eating a lot of foods that contain wheat or gluten, um, and you have maybe exposure to uh, anti-inflammatory medications or antibiotics that can throw off your healthy bacteria, then it's quite likely that this situation called leaky gut could be developing. And leaky gut is not a, a black and white thing. I think of it more like a spectrum. It could be mild, moderate, or severe at any point in time. And the more we're aware of it and address it and prevent it, then we can prevent it from causing other health issues in the body. And lastly, in, in our few minutes we have left in the show, you do have a section in, in the stress remedy that talks about tips for interrupting stress messengers. And you mentioned mm-hmm. some, some foods and some daily activities that people can do. Uh, what are some of the foods that people can do that are particularly good to, inter- to interrupt stress messengers? Mm, I love that question. Yeah, the, you know, the stress messengers being things that, you know, that throw off your blood sugar and, uh, and the stress messengers being the, you know, the cortisol, the insulin. So when you talk about foods that are going to help, you want to think of foods that are going to help stabilize your blood sugar and help, um, help your adrenal glands stay healthy and prevent leaky gut. So you want to be thinking of things like, I guess I would be thinking of like blueberries and, and salmon and, and greens like kale and chard. Okay, and and are there some um, home activities that people can do also? You mentioned meditation Mm -hmm. and yoga as Mm -hmm. as two. Absolutely. I mean, pick what feels right to you. For one person, they may really enjoy meditation, but if it's not your favorite way of thinking of it, you can certainly choose any activity that just you notice when you're doing that activity that you just feel more calm. For you, it might be, you know, taking a bath. It might be cooking something that you enjoy making. It might be calling a friend on the phone. Um, anything where you just know that you're in that relaxed state um, it will do it. does the trick. And, mm-hmm. and you also are involved in developing cleanses for patients. Mm-hmm. What role, if any, do you find that doing detoxification or cleanses uh, helps with uh, dealing with stress management? Well, I definitely think it helps, especially when you choose a cleanse that's going to help with these things we've just been talking about. So you don't want to do a cleanse that's going to be more stressful for you, for example. You want to pick a cleanse that's going to help balance your blood sugar and heal leaky gut. Maybe it's a cleanse that's going to help you avoid gluten and any other foods that may be an issue for your body. Helps to stabilize your digestive tract, supports your adrenal glands. Maybe a cleanse that involves things like exercise and just helps bring you back to these daily activities because if you integrate them during a cleanse, it's going to be a lot easier for you to then continue with those activities in your daily life after the cleanse. Do you have a website that mm-hmm. our listeners could check out? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, there's a website where I have a online stress quiz. So if you're starting to wonder if stress is 
been affecting your health, you can go to, it's, it's empoweringwellnessnaturally.com. So just empoweringwellnessnaturally.com. And you'll see there you can get to my blog where I write a lot about these topics as well as the online stress quiz to find out more about how stress is affecting your health. Well, thanks for being on Health Watch today, Dr. Wilson. Thank you for having me. We are talking today to Dr. Donnie Wilson, author of The Stress Remedy, A Science-Based Approach to Reduce the Effects of Stress, Reclaim Energy, Mood, Sleep, and Focus. You've been listening to Health Watch. I'm Dr. David Naiman, your host.